Have you ever started an argument with someone and just knew that you weren't going to win? Something inside of you tells you that you can't be right about whatever it is you're going to argue with this person about, but you just can't help yourself. So you go and you start the argument. This happens a lot between my wife and me because she's so smart. I know she's probably going to be right, but I just can't help myself to make my point. And so we argue about something, and then I realize, you know what? She's right. She's a pretty smart lady. I wonder if this happened in John 8, when the scribes and the Pharisees started an argument with Jesus. By this time, Jesus had performed several miracles, including feeding the 5,000 and walking on the water. At least a few of these men, I'm sure, thought something like, you know, that Jesus seems to know what He's talking about. I wonder if we should really start this argument. But they argued anyway. The argument stems from the woman caught in adultery. The scribes and Pharisees brought the woman to Jesus while He was teaching in the synagogue. Let's look at John chapter 8 and see how this story actually unfolds. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, verse 3. And having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. See, starting an argument. <clears throat> but Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground. Smart people generally ignore you whenever they know what's about to happen. And that's what Jesus did here. He simply started writing on the ground, probably illustrating something to the people that he was talking to, to the people that he was teaching, and he simply sat down and continued teaching. But when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go. From now on, sin no more. So some people brought this woman to Jesus, wanting to accuse Him, wanting to show that He did not know the law of Moses. And what's Jesus do? He simply challenges the people that have brought her to Him. He who is without sin, you cast the first stone. This was an eye-opening experience for those who witnessed it. For you see, there were people there who were trying to accuse Jesus, but there were also people there who were trying to learn more from Him. There was a receptive crowd, and there was an unreceptive crowd. In our world today, everyone thinks they are experts. Watch your social media, and everyone has an opinion, or is giving advice on just about anything, whether they are qualified or not. Well, how we live our lives should have but one source, and He is the expert on life, and that source should be Jesus. But why? There are plenty of people that come and are on your computer screen. I'm even one right now. 
who are trying to tell you how to live your life, how to do one thing, how to do another. And I hope that you listen to them, listen to me even, with a discerning ear. With an ear that says, I'm not so sure about this guy or about this person. Let's look though today, for our authority should come from Scripture. What we say should come from the Bible. And I want you to look deeply into your life, into your heart, and see if you are following the one true God. And if you're not, I hope you'll make a change. And if you are, I hope that you'll help others, your family, your friends. I hope you'll help others see that there is a different way. There is a better way. And that way is with Christ. So let's look at a few points that I believe we can draw from John. Chapter 8. Have you ever been in a cave? It's very dark. And a lot of times, very, very quiet. I've been in a few caves, and whenever I've gotten out, I thought, boy, if I lost my flashlight or if the batteries went dead, it would have been some pretty bad circumstances because the cave is so dark and certainly a place that someone can easily be lost. Christians should not be in the dark because they follow the wisdom taught by Christ and by Scripture, the inspired Word of God. Galatians 5.24 says this, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So those who are in Christ have gotten rid of old things, have gotten rid of old ways, and they're living a better life now because they've gotten rid of those old sins. They're, they're not living in the dark anymore because they're following the light of Christ. I would contend that most of the pain in this world can be traced back to the darkness that people live in because they're not following Christ. Because they don't have a true path. Because they don't have the assurance of salvation. Because they don't see the wisdom that is found in Scripture that tells you how to live your life. That tells you how to go about your personal day so that you might look to eternity, so that you might look to a brighter tomorrow based on the light that is found in Scripture. Many people today are in the dark because they simply don't know what to believe. They look at all different sources and they end up just going down a bad path. And sometimes people don't listen to anyone but their only passions. And they follow those passions and they live as they wish which is living in darkness. It sounds like freedom, but really it's not. It's not freedom at all. Galatians 6 and verse 13 says, For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves. Paul is writing to the Galatians and he is telling them, you know what, there are people who follow the law, but they really don't. They're really not following it at all. They're only following the outside of what people think they should be. But they desire, the verse continues, to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. You see, in Old Testament, in the biblical times, people were very much interested in what you were doing. Sounds a lot like today, doesn't it? But Christ comes to this earth, and He's interested in what you're doing, but He's more interested on the inside. He's more interested on the heart and on how you are on the inside. For it is that inside that will dictate, that will create the outer movements, the outside and how you behave and what you do for others as you serve Him. In John chapter 8, the Pharisees and scribes were in the dark. 
They were definitely concerned about the outside, about how people saw you. But Jesus was more concerned about the inner man. Jesus knew the struggles this woman must have faced and wanted her sins to be forgiven so she could find the light of His love. What would happen if she were stoned? No chance for forgiveness. No chance for her to redeem her actions. The scribes and the Pharisees were correct in stating what the law said, but Jesus was here now and He was here to make some changes. He was here to do some new things. Matthew 5 and verse 17 says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. The people were going through some changes religiously, and this, of course, was causing changes within their lives, and a lot of people had a difficult time with this. There are changes going on in our world right now, changes we're trying to adapt to to get through a difficult time, to get through this quarantine, and I hope that one of the changes you are making and that you're thinking about right now, is your spiritual life. The Jews then and the, and the rest of the world had to change its way of doing things. We need to change our way of doing things now. And during this uncertain time, it is a way that you can make some positive changes and carry those changes through once we're able to return back to normal. John chapter 8 and verse 12 says, Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So as Jesus addresses their concerns, their disdain, over this woman caught in adultery, as He teaches them a lesson about forgiveness, about grace, about compassion, he tells them, you know what? You need to follow Me. I know what the law says. I know what Moses taught you. But I am here to fulfill the law. We need to continue on with that thinking. And that continuation, Jesus says, that continuation involves Me. For I am the light of life. Many people today are very much in darkness. They haven't changed anything throughout this time. They haven't thought more about their fellow man. They've only thought possibly more and more about themselves. Still following old ways that Jesus obviously speaks against. They've not opened their Bibles. They've not looked deeply into more spiritual matters. And now's the perfect time to do that. Jesus should be our guiding light through these difficult times. And when things return to normal, He should continue to be that light. In John 8, Jesus taught the people about love and patience and even grace, getting something that someone does not deserve. He showed all of these things to the woman whose life almost came to an abrupt end. And these are the things our world needs more of now and on into the future. Love for each other, patience in our day-to-day -day dealings and grace because we are all a perfect mess. A perfect mess that needs the guiding light of life. A perfect mess that needs the light of Jesus to pull us out and bring us into a right relationship with Him. When people follow instructions from somewhere, they want to make sure the source is reliable. Yesterday I was trying to read the instructions on a manual for my HVAC unit, for my, my air conditioner. And of course, I had to make sure it was the right manufacturer, it was the right model. Otherwise, the instructions would not be accurate. 
You ask a good cook for a recipe, you ask a doctor for medical advice, and you ask the Savior how you should live. These moments that we are reading of in John chapter 8 were confusing to the people of the day. But they made it, especially the Jews, they made it more confusing than it had to be. Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't make empty claims, but rather spoke as one having authority. It should have been natural for them to follow Christ, but it wasn't. Foolish pride kept them very distant from Him. The scribes and Pharisees continued to challenge Jesus. John chapter 8 and verse 13. So the Pharisees said to Him, You are testifying about Yourself. Your testimony, it says, is not true. It was the custom of the day that if a person was testifying or teaching, he had to have someone there with him to prove that what he was saying was true. It appeared to the people in the temple that Jesus did not have anyone, but in fact He did. Let's look at John chapter 8, please. Beginning with verse 18. John chapter 8, beginning with verse 18. Jesus is speaking, I am He who testifies about Myself and the Father who sent Me testifies about Me. So they were saying to Him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither Me nor My Father. If you knew Me, you would know My Father also. You see, the Pharisees, they were looking around for a physical man. They were looking around for somebody a little older than Jesus. But there wasn't a physical man. For Jesus was sent here by God our Father, God our Creator. And that is someone that they should have known. But Jesus tells them, you know what? You, you don't know me because you don't know my Father. When you meet a child, a son particularly in this instance, and are impressed with him, typically you are excited to meet the Father. And whenever you meet the Father, you see where the Son gets His qualities. If the Son is a good worker, the Father most likely is a good worker. If the Son is humble, perhaps the Father even more so. The Son is trying to live up to His Father's expectations. The Son in this instance, the Son being Jesus, is trying to live up to His Father's expectations. When you admire someone, knowing them is like knowing their parents. However, if you don't like the person, it is very unlikely that you would want to meet the Father. And that's the difficulty going on here with the Pharisees. The Jews didn't want to know either. They saw Jesus. They knew the law, but they really did not know God. And not knowing God has always had dreadful consequences. In Jeremiah chapter 4, Judah was invaded. And in verse 22 it says, For my people are foolish. They know me not. They have no understanding. They are shrewd to do evil, but to do good they do not know. For the Jews, not knowing God, always led them down a bad path. What happened? Typically, each generation would move further and further from God, which would lead to their destruction. In a personal way, this can happen in our homes. As each generation moves further from God, they will not reap the spiritual benefits. Instead, they will fall deeper into sin and a life of evil that is pleasing only to Satan. Or they will continue on with some type of Christian life that might not be holding true to the authority of Scripture. It looks like they're doing the right thing, but really... They're just offering up false worship. 
Do you know God? If so, then you know Christ. Do you know God? If so, then you know the Son. If you don't know the Father, then you don't know Christ. How is your life right now? How was it before COVID-19? How will it be when all of this is over? Will it be chaotic? Will it be painful? A life with Christ can help in so many ways. Personally, as you deal with things that are inside your head, inside your heart, a life with Christ can help with parenting. Say, I'm a counselor full time. and A lot of the help that people need in parenting, in their marriage, comes from Scripture quite often. Do you need help with eternity? As we look to our lives, one of the things that we can hope for is that when this life ends, we can go on to a reward. And it makes death seem a little less scary. And it can make our lives now seem so much more worthwhile as we look to an eternity and as we look to a better tomorrow. Is the message of Christ confusing to you like it was the scribes and Pharisees? Then perhaps more study is needed. Knowing God makes all the difference in the world because you can get to know the Son who is the light of the world. Otherwise, you are in darkness because you do not know the Father. As you follow the light of life, being Jesus, as you know God the Father and as you know the Son, that brings you to a closer relationship with Jesus and what He can do for you. I've often wondered about the woman caught in adultery and her thoughts regarding Jesus. What did the people say as they were taking her to Him? Of course, their purpose was to trick Jesus somehow. But did she know that she was a pawn in their plan? Was she fearful of Jesus? She wasn't a disciple of His, but her circumstances brought her to Him all the same. It is our life's condition, our circumstances, that often thrust us before Christ. When we have everything we need, we often don't look to Him, unfortunately. It is during our low points, it is during our painful times that we finally turn to Him. This woman was facing inevitable death and her thoughts were desperate. She wanted salvation. She needed salvation. And where did her bad time bring her? It brought her to the feet of our Savior. And your bad times are probably doing that right now. But perhaps you're avoiding it. Perhaps you're at the feet of Christ and you won't look up. Perhaps you're at the feet of Christ and you won't turn to Scripture. Perhaps you're at the feet of Christ and you won't talk to your children, to your spouse. You won't talk to God to ask for wisdom. But let me tell you, now's the time to do it. Whenever you are at your lowest point, when you're at your most needed, and then when Christ, when God our Father helps you through this difficult time, things get back to normal, things get better, whatever circumstances you might find yourself in, you can hold on tight with that relationship and it can get you through anything in the best and in the worst of times. Why would you want to get to know Jesus the Son? There were people listening to Him at this time because He was teaching in the temple. So while He is having this argument with the Jews, there was an attentive audience like I mentioned earlier. 
He tells them that He is the light. He tells them that He is from God the Father. And now He will tell him that He is a liberator. With the Pharisees standing there, you could probably feel the tension. There are rules we are supposed to follow. Jesus, and you are breaking them. Did the people feel free? Really? They most likely felt oppressed. There was the thought in that day and age that if you looked good on the outside, oh, those are the most religious. Those are the people who are closest to God. And and that's not what our Heavenly Father sent Jesus down here to do. The Jews were concerned with the outside, which I think left people feeling hollow. Jesus, however, could make them a promise then, and they may, He makes us that same promise today, a promise that is worth following. Let's look at John chapter 8, beginning with verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him, if you continue in My Word, you see, He's asking these Jews to come along and to follow Him, being the light, being from the Father. If you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They were tired of looking good on the outside. They wanted something that was real. But something that made a real change in their life. And that's the Jesus that we should be following today. That's the Jesus we follow at Birdwell's Chapel Church of Christ. If you walk in our doors, no matter what you look like, no matter, no matter what's going on in your life, we will welcome you with open arms and show you the love of Jesus here in our building and even outside of our building as well. For that's where the church is. You know, our church's buildings are empty, but the church, it's outside now. It's online. It's at home watching this. And you can be the church in the light of the world and a representative of Christ by living for Him. So Jesus came to set people free. Free from a life of sin. Free from a life of sin that keeps you in bondage. Let's look at John chapter 8, beginning with verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. Sin is so fleeting. People want to engage in it. People want to do what they want to do in our, our country that is, that is so free and thankfully that it is. But so many people want to live as they wish. And Jesus says, you know what? You can't do that. You can't live in sin and expect to have a good life. Expect to have a life that is worth living. Expect to have a life that is pleasing to me. You've got to follow my light. Not the the darkness of your passions. So if you are committing sin, he says in verse 34, you are a slave to sin. Verse 36, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. See, the people in this day that Jesus was talking to in John 8, they didn't feel free. Jesus is trying to help them see that He is here to help them be free, to throw off the shackles of sin, to throw off the shackles of simply looking religious, but to actually have a real relationship with Christ. One that makes your life on this earth worth living one that shows others that you have light in you and you want to broadcast it for all the world to see. Not in a prideful fashion, but in a a way that says, hey, I want to live for Jesus and I want you to do that very same thing. You need to get to know the Father and the Son because you will be liberated from sin. 
What sin is making your life terrible right now? But if you have the light of life, if you have Jesus, the Son, you can push all those things to the side and not worry. Because even in our darkest times, when things do go wrong, just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean things will be perfect, but it does mean things can be a little easier. Because we can look to the hope of tomorrow, the hope of better days, the hope of eternity. So don't let these things that are so very important to a life on this earth pass you by. But take advantage of them and know that it's just an email or a text message away if you'd like to call or, or get in contact with me and we could study with you and show you how to have a right relationship with Jesus. A lot of people don't want to hear about Jesus and what He offers because His offer does require a commitment. You can't follow Him simply on an as-needed basis. Sometimes it feels like the world is caving in on us. But when time is spent with Jesus, there is a weight that is lifted. This week, meditate on the words of John 8. Get off Facebook and stop watching the news at least for a little while and instead read the New Testament or another part of Scripture that you find encouraging. And let that be your peace. Let that be your light. And stop with all the sin that might be in your life, making your life so very difficult. In Acts chapter 8, there was a man who was studying about Jesus with Philip. They were studying Isaiah 53, one of the prophecies of Jesus. And no doubt some other things that Philip could tell uh, this man about Jesus that he had done before his ascension. This man, a court official from Ethiopia, listened intently and during the study asked Philip, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, this is how you are added to the body of Christ and begin a relationship with Him. For, the, for, for the, the court official and Philip, they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And that court official, that Ethiopian eunuch, went off rejoicing because he had become a Christian. And if you're interested in becoming a New Testament Christian, contact us at Birdwell's Chapel or contact your closest congregation of the Church of Christ. We'd love to study with you. We love you. And we want you to have a better life now and in eternity.